Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Pastor Jeff Cranston. And I'm Jen Denton. And today we're going to talk about something that has troubled people for, oh, can we say 2,000 years or so? We can. (laughs) Today we are going to be talking about the unpardonable sin. Dum, da-dum, dum, dum. (laughs) <laughs> and you know here at Kitchen Table, Kitchen Table. What, what is this podcast It is. Called? It's not Kitchy Table. It's <laughs> Kitchen Table Theology. We try to make theology understandable. We're doing a great job of it so far. I, if we can talk today, then we might, we might accomplish just that. Here at Kitchen Table Theology, we try to make theology understandable, especially for Christians who have never before studied theology. When we run up against hard-to-understand concepts like this one today, for sure, we love breaking it down and hopefully offering a solid theological explanation, which not only is true to the Bible, but is understandable, and then here's the big one, applicable to our daily lives and hopefully you've seen already in just the first 20 seconds, we try to have some fun oh, along the way. Yes. <laughs> so, Pastor Jeff, we're on a big one today. Yeah, we are, and we'll tackle it. And like you said, hopefully we'll put some light on it so we can all understand it a little bit better. So before we do that, why don't I set this up for us a little bit? When this topic comes up, it's usually from someone who is afraid they may have committed this unpardonable sin. And I don't even know it. They don't even know it. We've heard the term and never really understood it, but we live in kind of this low-grade fear of it nevertheless. Mm -hmm. It got us in trouble as a kid, blamed for something. I don't know. Did you ever get blamed for something that you didn't do, like in grade school? Or you got in trouble, you know, you got called in by the teacher. And the reason I'm saying this this is what it makes me think of. I can remember it wasn't many times because normally I was completely guilty of whatever it was I was getting in trouble for. But being called in to the teacher, or maybe it was a vice principal, I don't know. It was, this was 105 years ago. And I got blamed and I got in trouble for doing something, but I was completely in it. I, I not only didn't do it, I didn't even know what they were talking about, but I remember the fear in the pit of my stomach, like, man, maybe I did do it and <laughs> maybe I blacked out. I don't know what happened, but I think that is sort of the emotion. You know, Jesus mentioned this unpardonable sin. And every time we read that, we go, Oh my word, what if I have committed that sin and I don't even know it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of where we're, we're coming at here. You know, Pastor Jeff, from that statement, let's look at a statement that Jesus made. You know, we find it in three of the Gospels. Mm-hmm. In Mark chapter 3, we read, Truly I say to you, all sins shall be forgiven the sons of men and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit has n- never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Those are pretty heavy words there. So why don't you tell us what it is that we're talking about? Yeah, that's it's very heavy. So we just want to say hello again, kitchen table theologians, and hopefully this will be helpful to you. Jen, this is a hugely important topic and one that has caused a lot of consternation, a lot of angst, 
among many people ever since Jesus talked about it in the Gospels. And I can't tell you how many times in the course of my ministry that I've had very distraught Christians come to me or very worried Christians come to me and ask about this unpardonable sin and whether they might have committed it. And I suspect most believers have at one time or another asked themselves whether they have done something unforgivable, like I've done this thing and God will not forgive me. So it's not surprising that many people struggle with this one because the precise nature of the unpardonable sin is difficult to discern. And we get all worked up about it because many theories about it have been set forth through church history. For instance, some people have argued that the uh, unpardonable sin is murder, and other people have said, no, it's adultery. Uh, Why? Because, well, we see the serious consequences that those sins wreak on the sanctity of life, the sanctity of marriage. But Scripture is quite clear that neither of those sins is unpardonable. The Bible shows us examples of people who committed these sins and were forgiven. Exhibit A's David. David was guilty of both adultery and murder, and yet after his confession and repentance, he was restored fully to his state of grace. And actually, the book of Acts, we read that David was a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. And, and secondly, maybe more importantly, when Jesus taught on the unpardonable sin, he said nothing about murder or adultery. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, especially if we're being really honest with ourselves, we equate the level of guilt or the level of just deep sorrow that we feel over our own sin to, I have had heartbreaking conversations with students over the years that say, I, I just don't think I can be forgiven of right. this. It's just so bad. Right. I don't think I can overcome it. So what then did Jesus say about the unpardonable sin? So if we go back to that verse you read out of Mark chapter 3, he begins, truly I say to you, or other translations say, assuredly, I say to you. So let's break down what he said. Sometimes, you know, when, when Christians want to express agreement with something, you, you and I both grew up in churches that probably did this. It happens here sometimes. When Christians that want to express agreement with something that they've heard from a preacher or teacher, they'll say, amen. You know, just amen. Or out the there. pastor will ask for it. Can I get an amen? Yeah, can I get an amen? <laughs> um, I, my, did we talk about this where I was at a church over in Atlanta and there was this older man, and he was from Alabama, mm, I remember. Bless him. And he didn't say amen, but when he agreed, you would just hear this deep voice. He always said in the back of the church, yes, that's what you got. <laughs> How yes. do you spell that? It's Y-E-S-S-S-H. Yes. And I never thought about it. This was in the 80s. That's And I used to hear amazing. it all the time, and we would always get a kick out of it. And I didn't hear it again for decades until I heard Michael Scott say it on The Office. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so oh, anyway, that's, that's not what Jesus was saying. But, well, people will say amen. So mm-hmm. here's, here's my point. The word amen or amen is transliterated from the Hebrew word amen, hmm. which means truth or it is true. So when we say amen... We're agreeing with what we've heard, but instead of giving his teaching and then waiting for his hearers to say amen, Jesus himself said amen before he gave his teaching. So basically, this word 
assuredly or truly is the Greek equivalent of the word amen, the Hebrew word. We get our word amen. And, and so what's happening here? Jesus announced that he's about to say something true. Now, everything he said was true, but here he's putting some real emphasis on it. Like, pay attention. It, it's a way of saying, now hear this. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, lean in, boys and girls, because what I'm about to say, what I'm about to drop on you here is very, very, very important. Mm-hmm. So he's he's giving great emphasis to the teaching he's about to utter. And I think the fact that it is contained in three of the four Gospels also points to how important it is what he said. Mm-hmm. And every time I've heard this or heard someone talking about it, it, it seems like there's this connection to this word blasphemy. And Jesus used the word or forms of the word twice just in those verses. So what part does blasphemy play in all of this? Jesus says all sins can be forgiven, including, quote, whatever blasphemies, end quote, except for the specific blasphemy of the Spirit. Now, Luke's account of this teaching is even more specific. Luke wrote this, uh, has Jesus saying this, Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven him, but to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. So maybe we should just define blasphemy. Blasphemy is the act or the offense of speaking sacrilegiously about God or the sacred. You know, it's any kind of profane talk. So let's let's look at it this way, you know, because after all, it's it's not a word we use every day, except in the context when we're, you know, maybe kidding yeah, around that's with somebody. Yeah. So like if you told me Clemson, not Alabama, is going to win next year's national championship in football, then I would, of course, respond, blasphemy. That's well, blasphemous. Well, you're you would be wrong, but... Well, then I would add something in about this re- recruiting <laughs> class coming up as well. So well, we can debate that all day. And that, that <laughs> the context of that, we're, we're that's not what uh, the, the usage was in, in Scripture. Although, you know, Jen Clemson and not Alabama is going to win next year's net. But we digress. Again. So let's just, again, <laughs> let's just define it again real quickly. Blasphemy is an act or an offense speaking sacrilegiously about God or the sacred. So the verse from Luke gives us the clues what's going on here. The first two phrases, who speaks a word against, Jesus said, whoever speaks a word against and who blasphemes are really parallel in their in their meaning. Blasphemy involves speaking a word against God. It's a verbal sin, one that's committed with your mouth or with your pen and at its essence, it's the desecration of the holy character of God. So blasphemy can involve insulting God, mocking God, dishonoring God. In a sense, it's the opposite of praise. Hmm. Here's where it really gets uncomfortable. Even casually using the name of God by people saying, oh, my Lord, oh, my God, as many people do, quite frankly, constitutes blasphemy. We, we can be very thankful that the unpardonable sin isn't just any kind of blasphemy, because if it were, none of us would have any hope of escaping judgment and damnation. Uh, All of us have it many times and in all sorts of ways, I think, routinely blasphemed God's name. I think we have to really catch ourselves on that here in the the South, in the Bible Belt, because we, you know, 
Lord have mercy, right. heavens to Betsy, you know, yeah. all these <laughs> holy Moses. Uh, I, I mean, I'm guilty of it for sure. You I know how we up. got Moses in there. I don't know how we got Betsy in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, poor old It just Betsy. works, though. It does. It does. Um, for the love of Pete, that's another <laughs> yeah. one. I don't know who Pete is. But, you know, with, with that in mind, then Jesus' statement, that anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, seems shocking in light of then the actual abuse and mistreatment he later went through, culminating in his execution on a Roman cross. Yeah, but we've got to remember, I think, how as he hung on the cross, Jesus, he he looked at those people who had delivered him up to the Romans, and they mocked him you know, as he was dying and, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're casting lots for his clothing. You know, they beat him, you know, the whole crucifixion Mm -hmm. scenario. And he says, father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. So even though these, these men and women opposed Christ to the point of executing him, there was still hope of forgiveness for them. And likewise, in the book of Acts, Peter told the people of Jerusalem that they had delivered Jesus to the Romans and denied Christ. But Peter added, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. And he called them to repent. And so on at least two occasions, the New Testament makes it clear that forgiveness was possible for those who despised Christ. And they despised him so much that they killed him. And those two accounts, though, verify Jesus' assertion that any sin against the Son of Man could be forgiven. So then the point of today, what about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Because that's the part that Jesus says is unforgivable, right? Right. And so now, now that's the difficult part of this. So we need to see that it came in the context, the historical context, of Jesus's opponents. Now, who were they? They were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious Jewish leaders. It comes, he says this in the context of them charging him with doing his miraculous work by the power of the devil rather than by the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's how it happened. So ha- hang in there and let's let's catch this. So the religious leaders said, Matthew 12, 24, this man casts out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. So this sin was committed in that historical context. The Pharisees had observed firsthand the public ministry of Christ. They they saw his miracles with their own eyes. They heard his teaching with their own ears. They watched, they heard, they saw, and yet they still ascribed his work to Satan. So the sin against the Holy Spirit was final, it was unforgivable, because they had the witness of the words and works of Christ right in front of them. And moreover, they could have been forgiven had they only rejected the witness of Christ, but they rejected the final witness, this testimony of the Holy Spirit. So there was no further witness to be given to them at all. They, they had it all. So we, we, we ought to take note that the sin against the Holy Spirit was eternal. And there was no opportunity for repentance for these people. It was unpardonable and would never be forgiven. Hmm. So let's just bring this down to where where we live, because we always want to talk about daily life and application. And let's get real for a second. I, I'll just ask the question that I'm sure many people want a definitive answer to. 
can the sin against the Holy Spirit be committed today? Could I commit this unpardonable sin today? Well, to commit the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, as Jesus talks about it in that historical context, would require the physical presence of Christ in which he would teach and perform miracles while you being a hearer and an onlooker would reject his ministry saying that, okay, I see what's happening. I hear what's happening. I'm watching him perform miracles. But then you would say he's doing it by the power of Satan. Mm. So the, the sin of blasphemy against the spirit is not the same thing as unbelief. But I personally don't believe that this unpardonable sin can necessarily be even committed today. But but let's say it were possible to commit this unpardonable sin today. I believe that the Lord Jesus, who has given us a spirit, and that spirit, as we have been learning about, regenerates us to new life in Christ, restrains in the world, convicts and reveals Jesus to us, baptizes us into Christ, reproduces the character of Christ in us, helps us to understand the scriptures. I just believe that that spirit will never allow us to commit that sin. I, I don't personally believe that any Christians in the history of the church have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So the, those who have committed the unpardonable sin are not worried about it. Okay, they, They're hardened in their unbelief. Their hearts are hard. So if you worry that you have committed the unpardonable sin, that's a pretty reliable sign that you have not committed it. Hmm. And, you know, if you're ashamed of your sin against God, then you have not committed the unpardonable sin. So in, instead of feeling hopelessly condemned, all we need to do is keep turning from our sins, keep trusting in Christ. And if we, we as believers, if we are in Christ, as the Bible says we are, Paul's words to the Romans, I think, apply here, as they do in many other cases, there is no condemnation for you. So we can thank God that the sin that is unpardonable is, is not a sin that God, because of the Spirit's indwelling presence, I really think He allows His people to commit. Well, that was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and Probably muddied the waters there. No, it's a great, great light to shine, great clarification. And that just about wraps up our time together today. But before we sign off, we want to let you know that our next Kitchen Table Theology podcast will begin a new season. Yep. We're going to dive into the atonement of Jesus Christ, and we'll cover areas such as salvation, redemption, and hit some big old theological words, propitiation, substitution, and atonement itself. It is going to be great, and you will not want to miss it. So thanks for joining us and tuning in today. If you have loved listening to this podcast, don't forget to hit subscribe and do that on whatever platform you're listening from. While you're there, please consider leaving a review, which will help other people find out about Kitchen Table Theology. And also head on over to jeffcranston.com for all of our previous episodes. A special thanks to our sound engineer, Gabe Diaz, and to the Lowcountry Community Church family here in Bluffton, South Carolina, for making this podcast possible. And as always, thank you, Kitchen Table Theologians, for your support, your questions, your encouragement along the way, because it's important for us to remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, 
You can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.